0: This is an RNZ podcast. Piki Mai Kake Mai, and welcome to this Our Changing World podcast from RNZ with me, Alison Balance. We're off to meet fish being put to the test in a swimming flume. The fish are being put through their paces by student Dana Nolte from HZ University of Applied Sciences in the Netherlands and Niwa freshwater ecologist Paul Franklin. We met Paul a few weeks ago, putting satellite tags on migrating longfin eels. And the research they're doing relates to another recent Our Changing World story, the streams beneath the streets, when we heard about the fish and the eels that live in and travel through piped underground streams. Now we've come into a noisy room, Paul, with a red light, and we won't stand here very long, but what are we looking at?
1: So what we've got here is a specially made flume that allows us to run water through at set speeds and see how well the fish can actually swim against that.
0: So you've got a little native fish in there?
1: Yes, so there's a little enanga in there, one of the white bait species. It's just hanging out there at the moment, quietly, while we wait before we start the experiment.
2: You've been running a number of experiments here, Dana? Yes, I have. I've done over a hundred of these at the moment, so quite a lot. Let's pop next door because I gather
0: you leave the fish here swimming quietly on their own and you go and watch them remotely. Yes. Now you flicked the light out as we left the room, Paul, so it's in total darkness?
1: Yes, so we've been running these experiments in darkness and one of the main reasons is just to avoid any extra distractions to the fish that might disturb them.
0: Now tell me, why are you putting fish through these swimming trials?
1: So this arises from some work that we've been doing around fish passage in New Zealand and this um, links back to a lot of our native fish need to migrate between different habitats to complete their life cycle. And lots of the infrastructure that we put into streams and rivers, like culverts and weirs and dams, can obstruct their movements. So what we want to try and do is design those structures in a way that better allows our fish to get past. But to do that, we need to actually understand how well... The fish can actually swim under different conditions, how fast they can go, what things they avoid, what they like. So we can help design structures better to get our fish through.
0: So what are we looking at, Dana?
2: Yeah, it's currently swimming at a lower velocity. It's looking quite comfortable. It's kind of swimming around and exploring a bit. But as soon as we'll turn the velocity up, then it will be more difficult for the fish and it will tire out quickly.
0: So low velocity how fast is it?
2: This is 0.2 meters per second for the fish swimming velocity so the water velocity is actually lower than that. So what's that in kilometers an hour? 0.72 kilometers an hour. And you're going to turn the speed up? I'm going to turn it up to 0.8 meters per second which is 2.8 88 kilometres an hour Okay, so that's quite a big increase in speed particularly
0: when you're quite a little fish
1: Yes, so at 0.8 metres per second that's quite a challenge for these little fish and the work we're trying to do here is figure out how long a fish can actually swim at a given speed so at this sort of speed we wouldn't expect them to be able to swim for very long Oh, there's some bubbles coming through so here it goes as you can see, now the velocity is flying really fast through there and the fish is being able to work really hard and it's swimming pretty hard and eventually it will give up, which it's pretty close to now, so we'll stop that experiment. We're giving it, it's it, Yeah, it's rallied and given it another go now, but that's because the velocity slowed down so it, the fish can actually recover. But what you can see is at a really high velocity like that, they can't swim very long at that speed and so that also means they can't swim very far at that speed so if you can imagine something like a culvert running under a road that might be 20 30 or more meters long if you've got a really high water velocity like that running through it one of these fish has absolutely no chance of ever getting to the other end.
0: Because culverts tend to be long and smooth, there's nowhere for a little fish to hide, there's no little eddies it can pop off into and have a rest.
1: That's right. The normal way that people design culverts is to get water from A to B as quickly as possible because you're trying to improve drainage and avoid flooding, which is completely understandable. But exactly those conditions are the complete opposite of what our fish need to actually get through somewhere.
0: When you get high water flows like that, that might be after, say, a, a rain event in, in suburbia in particular. You get lots of hard surfaces, you get lots of flashy water running off really quickly.
1: Yeah, that would be a good example. But even in some sort of fairly normal conditions, you can get sometimes you have culverts that are really reasonably steep. And when you get a steeper culvert with more water running through, it can actually still get quite high velocities coming through. And it doesn't necessarily have to be through the whole structure as well. We had one example of a culvert here in Hamilton where just the little apron section right at the end of the culvert had a water velocity of over 1.5 metres per second. And the fish couldn't get past that sort of about three metres at the start. But if you put the fish above that, they had no problem getting through the rest of the culvert.
0: What kinds of fish have you been putting through this flume, Dana?
2: Currently I've only been putting inanga uh, in the flume, but the plan is to do more in the future.
0: So do you always start your experiments with a slow water speed before you ramp the speed up on them?
1: Yes, that's right. So part of doing these kind of experiments is you need to get the fish feeling comfortable in the test equipment before you really push them hard so we put them in give them a bit of time to get used to being in the tank there and then we give them that little bit of flow just to get them used to the conditions before we then start the test and give them their real challenge.
0: If you left them swimming at that low speed could they swim for hours?
1: Yes so Dana has been trying that just recently with a few of them at the very low velocities. I've
2: tested on zero point 4 metres per second velocity, and at that velocity, the one that I tested can swim for uh, 2 hours and 40 minutes. So that's quite a long time. What's the
0: temperature of the water in there?
1: So at the moment, the fish are being tested at 18 degrees. uh, But what we're looking to do in the future is actually run some experiments where we test them at different water temperatures. And why? Well, out in the wild, obviously... The water temperatures in our streams can vary quite a lot from quite cool right up to really quite warm in some of our sort of more exposed (coughs) lowland streams. So we want to try and run them under conditions that they would be experiencing out in the wild.
0: And does temperature have an effect on their ability to swim?
1: Based on some of the experiments that have been done with other species overseas, it certainly looks that way. So we are expecting to see... Differences um, as we run them at different temperatures.
0: So are you finding pretty consistent results, like they are all struggling as soon as you turn the speed up on them?
1: What we find is, I guess just like with humans in a running race, you get quite a lot of variation between individual fish. So some might last next to no time at all, some will last a bit longer. And so that's actually an important part of trying to design your structures is accounting for that difference in how different fish within one species work but also then when you start to take account of multiple different fish species all that have different capabilities that have different swimming styles and so on it makes it quite challenging to actually find a solution that works for everything
0: can you retrofit culverts to make them more fish-friendly, to put, somehow slow the water flow down or send it through a series of barriers so you're, it can still serve as a good conduit for the water so the water engineers are happy, but that it makes it more friendly for the fish?
1: Yes, that's certainly what we've been trying to do. So there are a few different um, solutions that are out there that people have been trying to test. The main principle... That they're based on is increasing the friction within the culvert to help slow the water down. And so, one of the most common things is installing what we call baffles. So, the ones that are sort of recommended in the fish passage guidelines that were launched last year look like little rectangular blocks that are all set out in a grid. And that helps to slow down the water velocities and increase the depth a bit in the culvert and it allows the fish to swim up in between those blocks, and they can actually rest in behind the blocks as well.
0: Tell me a bit more about these fish passage guidelines.
1: So last year we uh, launched a new national guidance document. For the first time we've actually set out a list of criteria to help people design structures better to allow for fish passage. So it's got information on... sort of good practice for designing new structures which is where we really want to start making a difference if we can stop installing more barriers now that would be a good uh, start on helping our fish out but also we've got information in there on how to try and fix some of the existing structures or at least make them slightly less bad for our fish.
0: I remember seeing something on social media it was probably a few months ago and it was a a new culvert under the transmission gully motorway, which seemed to fail in being a good fish passage in that it had a a big drop between where the stream came in and where the culvert actually was.
1: Yes, I did see that one. I'm not familiar with the exact details of what was going on there. My understanding is that that may have been consented before the guidelines were launched, and so unfortunately we are still dealing with new structures going in that don't meet the guidelines. What we're hoping in the long run is that sort of the information in the guidelines will actually be implemented in some of the regional plan rules and so on, which gives it a lot more strength when it comes to trying to make people design these structures better for fish.
0: Now, we've still got that little fish swimming. Is it back swimming at its low water speed, Dana?
2: I've completely turned off the velocity. So, it's just kind of uh, exploring and relaxing a bit.
0: This is Inanga. What other species are you planning to do in here?
1: So, we'd like to try uh, quite a range of different species and also different ages of the different fish. So, we've so far been doing adult Inanga. Um, once we get through to the white bait season, we'll try and do some of those really small white bait Inanga as well, because obviously, when they're coming into freshwater, they're actually encountering these barriers quite close to the sea, so we want to know how they cope under those conditions. But we'd also like to try some of the other white bait species, like banded corkapoo and giant corkapoo We'd like to go into some of the bullies species, so things like redfin bully and common bully are some of the easier ones to get hold of, because it's more difficult to test fish that we can't get lots of. But also um, juvenile eels as well, so elvers. We'd like to test some of those, and over time, we'd like to build up the picture of as many of our species as we can.
0: Thanks, Paul. That was Paul Franklin from Niwa. And we also heard Dana Nolte from HZ University of Applied Sciences in the Netherlands. I'm Alison Balance, and this Hour Changing World podcast from RNZ, first aired on the 27th of June, 2019. To listen again, just head to our webpage, RNZ.co.nz slash Our Changing World. While you're there, why not sign up for our free weekly email newsletter? You'll find us as a podcast on your favourite app, whether that's Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, any of the others. You'll also find my other podcasts, Elemental, and the Kākāpō files there as well. Elemental is celebrating 150 years of the periodic table, and the Kākāpō Files is charting the ups and downs of an intensive conservation management programme for one of New Zealand's rarest birds. There are plenty of other podcast series from RNZ available at the podcasts and series page of rnz.co.nz. Stay in touch with us on Facebook and Twitter where we are RNZ Science. Many thanks for your company. Bye for now. Kia ora mai.